Today's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about the Tesla Model Y third row, Microsoft and full self-driving, Porsche Taycan price drops, and SpaceX buying oil rigs. <laughs> As usual, I'm joined by Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? Good, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What, what, what have you been up to uh, this week on your channel? Yeah, so this week we, we did a price breakdown of the Powerwall and if it's worth it for you, kind of in terms of finan financially, environmentally, backup preparedness kind of stuff. And I just did a video on the Model Y third row, which and a lot of people were waiting to see could a human being fit back there. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I got those published on my channel. What about you? Uh, this week I published an episode about the Ego Snowblower. I know that's a very niche kind of topic because not everybody lives where there's snow, <laughs> but it was um, a battery operated snowblower and I didn't think it was going to work. And so I held out for this two stage snowblower and I put it through the paces and my video is about how it held up. Incredible. Is it a bigger battery? Because I know the voltage is all 56 volt, but is it like even bigger? Yeah, it's two 7.5 amp hour batteries. Um, wow. The, the, thing, the thing's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually no a big problems. fan. I have all my yard tools are ego. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. So let's uh, just jump right into the first story here. In the US, President Biden is no longer President-elect Biden. He is now President Biden. And so I thought this would be an appropriate story to kick off everything because he's now been sworn in. And his first act of when he came into office was he immediately wrote a whole bunch of executive orders undoing a lot of the things that the Trump administration had put into place, uh, like joining back into the Paris Agreement, which is hallelujah, thank you, we're getting back on track. But what I found fascinating about this story was it was talking about their po the policies that he has, that he's putting forward, are going to require kind of a metric ton of batteries. I mean, he's rolling, um, <laughs> yeah. So he wants to the, the electric grid to be totally green by 2035, which requires batteries for backing up solar and wind. Uh, he wants to pump money into researching new chemistries and cutting costs of those batteries by 90%. Uh, more domestic battery production is in, on the agenda. And big reason behind this is there's no one-size-fits-all solution here. And yet Tesla's breaking ground on things, and there's companies doing solid-state batteries and a lot of great research on batteries. But here in the U.S., there's basically no battery production. There's very, very little battery production here in the U.S. And so the whole thing that he's trying to pitch is going to build that up, get more money for more research in different chemistries and different technologies so that we have more solutions to, to kind of satisfy all of our needs. And it's like we we in the Tesla battery day, I mean, he ta Elon talked about how many batteries we need just for electrifying transportation. And it's astonishing how much we need. So this is, to me, very exciting to see on day one, he comes out and is just like dropping the mic on environmentalism here. It's a very ex uh, exciting start. Very true. And it all went without a hitch. And it was, it was yeah, it was um, a yeah. pretty momentous day, I think, for, for a lot of people. And yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy that everything kind of went, went off smoothly. So I think Tesla showed what happens when you invest in like in the US, for example, we've been offshoring so much. And I think um, one thing I've been trying to do is understand people who really like Trump for the last four years. And one of the, <clears throat> the key takeaways, I think, was we want to see jobs come back, especially manufacturing. Mm -hmm. There's tons of high end jobs. Like if you're a 
you know, you're a PhD or something, or you're a software engineer, for example, UX designer, there's tons of jobs. I get LinkedIn offers all the time, but for yeah. like manufacturing or more blue collar stuff, that's where we have to realize there's a, there's a huge amount of valuable uh, people and they could be doing great work. So I think Panasonic with Gigafactory was a great kickoff to that. This, I think, hopefully moves it further. You're right. LG Chem, you know, I think LG, we, we talked about LG broke out their battery division into its own kind of brand. You know, a Samsung has a huge amount of research. So South Korea is like cutting edge. Japan has always been. It was literally invented there. Um, the the lithium-ion battery by Sony. And other countries are kind of, kind of following suit. We talked about Indonesia last week. Now, like the U.S. could be a center as well, hopefully in terms of both the R&D and the, the mad science, chemistry and R&D part of it, but also just manufacturing. I yeah. hope the, the 4680 cells out of Tesla and Gigafactory Austin just blow people away. Their job offers or the, the promotional stuff, getting people to recruit and want to work at Tesla is such a big groundswell that people really take it seriously. And there's more of that. I one of my predictions, I don't know if I mentioned on the show is the. The pandemic, I think, is going to make people rethink, maybe we shouldn't offshore everything yeah. we make. Maybe yes. we should make some stuff in our own country. Because you realize when things get scarce, that country is like, no, nah, don't think we're going to ship it to you. Maybe we'll keep it for our people first or something. And so um, very optimistic. We're back in the Paris Accord. Yeah, it sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic. I, I'm really happy. At this point, I'm trying to control my optimism. But yeah. I think this is pretty, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. There's still a lot to be done with passing bills in Congress, which is going to be a completely different ballgame. But it was just a great start. Day one, kind of clean slate. Let's set things back to where they should start from and build from there. So it's it's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to talk about your, uh, <laughs> a little bit about your Model Y. <laughs> yeah. So I finally had the opportunity to test drive model Y, which has the third row. There it is. And this was a fun one. My wife, we got a call from our agent that we're working with. We have a reservation for one. And he goes, Hey, we have a Y you want to come check it out. And we, <laughs> we like dressed the kids and we ran out to go check it out. And the reason is that third row for us is, is really key without it. When anyone comes to visit our model three is out of commission. We have to take the pilot everywhere we go. And now could you make that third row fit? A lot of the videos that I was watching made it look like you can't have legs and fit back there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm happy to report, I'll put an iCard to my video, but look at that. With the with the seats kind of in the farther, the, the second row becomes a rail sliding row. And if you slide the rails all the way forward, giving maximum leg room for the rear occupant, there's tons of room. It actually works really well. I was surprised. I'm about five eleven and a half on a good day, about six feet. If it, if the winds are you know the right direction, <laughs> and uh, I could fit, but my head is like touching the glass. Like <laughs> I don't think I could safely fit back there. Not without like kind of crouching and stuff. But if you're on the shorter side, I think you could for like a thirty minute trip around town to go to dinner and back. I wouldn't road trip back there. You can see like. My thighs aren't even resting on on the on the seat itself. My my son loved it. He was like it was like a pillow fort for him back there. <laughs> and for car seats, no problem. You could have two car seats. You have two kids. Put them in the back if you have company, and you can fit five adults and two kids in the back. So if you're a family of huge adults and there's seven of you and there's no children or no one with short legs, it's not going to help you very much. But if you have young children or you're on the shorter side shockingly good value and a shockingly good car and the cool thing too is when you don't need it and you fold it all flat 
you don't lose a whole lot. You lose, there's like two false doors on the Model Y. Our, our Tesla Model 3s have one big one. The Y, that's even deeper and even bigger. And then there's one above it as well, a smaller one. That that one is gone and the little bottom door is kind of reduced in size a little bit. But other than that, it works. So I will, I'll say anybody who was thinking about that third row Y and then kind of maybe discouraged by those early pictures, don't be. Uh, call your Tesla representative. Go schedule a test drive for an hour. Take your car seats and stuff. Do what I did. I think you're going to be shocked. I think this is the best Tesla ever made for like 90% of American families. Um, most families, especially in the U.S., where we like a little bit more of a bigger car. And yeah. the Y is not a big car, but... My favorite part of the video was... Like you said, you're basically a six foot guy getting out of the back seat. And what you when you said getting out, it's possible. <laughs> it's like, there, you, there you go. Yeah, it's like it's all I, tight. It, to me, it looked way too claustrophobic for somebody of my size. I'm six one. It's like I don't think I would fit back there at all. So it's like it's for me, obviously, no. My wife could easily fit back there. You know, Juan fit back there. So it's like it it definitely seems like smaller adults and kids, it's perfect for. I was surprised. Yeah. I didn't <clears> expect that much room back there. Yeah, you're not fitting back there. Matt is deceptively <laughs> tall. When I when I first met him at Fully Charged, you were sitting down and you stood up, and I was like, "Holy crap, you're tall." Um, yeah. You're not fitting back there. Yeah, but it might work for might work for most of you. Definitely worth the checkout. And and also, it it can't be like you're if you need the third row every day, you're not gonna like this. It's really hard to get back there and like you know, in a pinch though. If you needed it, like a couple couple days out of the month. Incredible value, incredible value for three thousand dollars. I'd call it a no-brainer. Um, yeah, but if you have a family of eight and you use it or seven and use it every day, get a bigger car. It's not yeah. going to work. It's just going to be too much, um, just too tight. I think. Good in a pinch. Good in a pinch. Yeah. Well, next up, this one I thought was interesting: Microsoft investing two billion dollars into Cruise for autonomous driving. And if you don't know, Cruise is a company that GM bought back in like I think it was twenty sixteen. And they've they've got basically like little people movers, and it's all about autonomous driving. So think of it; it's kind of like a Waymo kind of a thing. Um, Microsoft has invest, invested pretty heavily in this, and it's really kind of fascinating because it's like uh, Microsoft has been building out, evidently, kind of quietly over the past number of years on their Azure platform, kind of a cloud services for autonomous driving. And VW evidently is using them, and now uh, GM is you know you can be using them and since uh microsoft has invested two billion dollars that means that cruise has a market value right now of 30 billion dollars which is not insubstantial (laughs) um but obviously i don't know if anybody knows about develop web development but azure is a pretty massive platform it's it's very stable it's very robust and so having a having a huge massive player like microsoft backing you up like this not just only with their software but with money it's like this is kind of a big vote of confidence in cruise and gm and this kind of ties back into what we talked about in the past it's becoming a trend we talk about tesla a lot and we're talking about gm a lot um this is another one of those gm is really man they're they're really surprised me because it's like they they week after week it's just more stuff about them that's really it's a pleasant a pleasant surprise each week every time stories like this come out for me. The first company, by the way, was Renault uh, Nissan, who, yes. who who signed up to use Azure, and then it was VW, yes. and then VGM. Pretty amazing that they're they're going that route. By the way, the one we talked about this before with the pros and cons of vertical integration. One of the pros of being an expert and just doing one one thing only 
is Microsoft's lessons learned from all these different companies are going to help all these different companies. Mm -hmm. They're going to have feature requests that they're going to have needs that are a little bit different from each of those companies and they'll have to deliver on it. And their end product is going to be that much better, right? Like if you, if you're, if you're a, um, a user of Microsoft teams or Google drive, every new customer that comes along and says, Hey, you know, I need, I need a way for the drive to sync over this. Every time a new feature gets asked for, we all get it. Right. So that kind of a thing. Yeah. Microsoft is a powerhouse development company. Yes, they, they have. Um, I remember I went, I got pretty far along on a Microsoft interview and they promised that I could stay in San Diego and work from San Diego. And then finally the, the manager said, no, we want you to move to San Francisco. And then I, it kind of fizzled out after that, but the interviews are hardcore and those guys are, those guys are top, top dogs and they have been for decades. This isn't like a small little startup. They hire really, really smart people. So Again, I think I'm starting to see kind of a pattern here. It's like vertically integrate, handle everything versus partner with really good, big players. And by the way, as far as like Azure's role, I was thinking like what exactly would, would be involved? I'm thinking first and foremost, it would be the back end where all this footage is sent, where the machine learning models are updated, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So again could there be a world where a nissan leaf is sending data that it's getting from their cameras and detections and you know uh computer vision and gm and all these cars are aggregating because tesla we keep talking about how they have this huge advantage of a million cars sold maybe half of that on the road today or some number but imagine if every gm and nissan and vw car was aggregating data because of azure and all their models are getting smarter i mean there's interesting angles there i think very very cool story and yeah good for jim yeah really exciting so you want to jump over to the next story the good old porsche tycon this one was surprising Did this one surprise you by the way yes <laughs> it, it did you drove one you've actually had one for like a week i had it for a long basically a long weekend so yeah okay we and we we got to see it at uh the circuit of the americas for fully charged live. I met a gentleman who owned one. We did some hot laps in it out there. This is a beautiful and amazing car. Um, it gets a lot of hate from like the Tesla community because of yeah. the range. But I spoke with the gentleman who had the fastest ludicrous mode uh, Model S before this. And he drove them both from Houston to Austin and then did laps and stuff. And he said his ranges were identical on the two cars, even though the, I think the Porsche being a performance car wants you to be happy with 200 miles of range, figuring you're going to go racing it hard and pushing it really hard. And they don't want you to be disappointed. And Tesla has a more conservative approach. But I mean, first of all, I'll say I've never got my fully rated range for my model three either, because yeah. you're not going to get it if you're driving 80 miles an hour, for example. So don't I mean I would say try before you bash the car on those kinds of on that premise maybe throw the car for a long weekend and get yeah. your own data but you might be surprised that maybe not as efficient as a Tesla but not not terribly behind cool thing about this story and this is why I'm really excited is the Taycan is Porsche's best-selling car yes I was gonna bring if you didn't bring that up I was gonna bring it up it's their <laughs> it's out selling their gas cars it is their best-selling car period and that's so super they exciting have, <laughs> they have the legendary, like literally the benchmark car, the 911, and this sells better. So I think Porsche has a winner and they're starting to, to sense that. And what do you think will happen when they have an $80,000 rear wheel drive, 70, you know, mid 70 kilowatt hour battery pack, you know, more affordable 
Tycon on the on the lot for eighty thousand dollars. That's going to be huge. It's pouring gasoline in the fire. This thing is going to. It's already a bestseller for them. It's just going to get even bigger. So it's like, this is the smartest move they could have done right now is to try to just get that price down. And yes, it's it has some compromises. Like the, there's no front motor in it. It's not going to have as fast as zero to sixty time as the other ones. But who cares if if you if this is an aspirational purchase for you, making a hundred thousand dollar purchase, it's just out of range for too many people. And with incentives, it was saying that it's possible, depending on where you live, that you might be able to get this for under $70,000, a brand right. new Porsche. This is, it's incredible. It's like, I, it, and I got to tell you, it's like, for me, when I drove it, I walked away thinking, this car's not for me. It's way too expensive. But if I was in the market for a Model S, and now this car's out there for basically the same price, it's like, I'd be looking at giving this one a really, a much closer look, because it is a fabulous fabulous car like the interior to drive it it's fun it's gorgeous super well built yeah it doesn't have the the range of a s which is could be a negative depending on what you're looking for but day-to-day driving getting around town if you're able if you live in an area that has good a good charging network with electrify america for where you typically drive you're gonna be fine it's gonna be good yeah completely and um i was just thinking i was on twitter (laughs) it's so funny there's people, Tesla is a very polarizing company for whatever reason. I do not understand why. How could you, it's bizarre, but some people are like, oh, awesome. The Model Y with third row. Love it. I'm going to get it. Other people. So basically a human can't fit. How is that your takeaway from my video? Did you watch it? Like what planet are we on that your takeaway was this is, and for that person, maybe that person is thinking electric. He'll get that Porsche for whatever reason. It's not always logical. If you hate Tesla, but you're kind of excited about electric cars and the Porsche is on the, out, out there, good for Porsche. Um, they're not a high volume company. So companies like Porsche will have the easiest time transitioning. Their cars are not cheap and they're never going to be cheap. There's never going to be a $25,000 Porsche. That would dilute the entire point of Porsche. So yes. here's now an $80,000 option. And I think they're going to sell. So if they're selling, you know, 10,000 units or something a year, I double you know, maybe they'll double that if they can keep up with demand. I don't even know how many they're manufacturing. I believe they work with LG for batteries and stuff. We'll see. But um, if they can keep up with demand, I, I think the demand should should spike with that announcement. Definitely. Let's jump to the next story, which is the last story for the night. Um, this one, <laughs> I didn't know much about this. And everything, this has been floating around there for, for months. So I, I, this was news to me. But SpaceX bought two decommissioned oil rigs of all things and i was just like that's "That's insanely cool it's like i'd never i thought of like recycling (laughs) an old oil rig because they're crazy expensive to build and they're crazy expensive to break down and so yes spacex still has to retrofit them because once they remove the drilling apparatus you're gonna have a big hole in the middle of the platform so they have to fill it in and build it out for what they need that's gonna be expensive but they spent something like uh i've got the something like three and a half million dollars each so they spent seven million dollars and they now basically have the makings of two different spaceports that they can build probably off the coast of texas somewhere and then they don't have to worry about finding land in an area where it's safe to take off and land they they'll be off in the ocean which makes it safer safer and yes there's 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 gonna be logistics with how do you get fuel to it you're gonna have to have helicopters and tugboats and things that carry things to and from land to supply it but here you have this massive rocket that's going to be taking off for the moon, Mars, and uh, hypersonic travel around the Earth itself. 
And so they're building out spaceports on oil rigs. I just thought this was, <laughs> it, it blew my mind when I read this. I was like, this is, this, is the, this is just insane. He is Tony Stark. Elon is Tony Stark. This is, this is pretty cool. This, this story was my favorite when you put on the wall. Um, how apropos, we've got oil companies that are filing bankruptcy, that are liquidating assets because it's just not profitable. There's, remember the oil's drying up, demand is low. You know, the coronavirus did not help oil companies this year. And so what do you do with these old oil rigs? I mean, they're an eyesore, they're out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and I'd imagine it would cost a ton of money to, you know, to break them down and stuff. My first thought was you could, you know, maybe do a platform for like wind farms or something, but this is even cooler. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, in, in the article that you, uh, you referenced, they mentioned, you know, that, you know, rockets and stuff burn, <laughs> burn, you know, rocket fuel. So they're not like green, but shockingly they're may maybe not as bad as people think and also we're talking about like the next frontier we're talking about spreading intelligent life around the world or going in search of it i mean this is kind of this is the sort of stuff that gets kids to pay attention in school to dream big to want to do something go to college learn and so this story is just incredibly fascinating uh, i'm curious I'm, i want to check the chat after this but I'm, I'm curious where all the how many uh spacex fans we have because yeah. i mean i feel like spacex has completely captured a generation um yes. which hasn't happened since kennedy it's been 50 70 50 60 70 years and um we've got that again kids are excited i was i was one of my one of my uh, nephews was talking about star starship launches and stuff and i'm thinking you follow this stuff this is cool to kids and mm -hmm. it is incredibly like just heartwarming. So, um, yeah, good on, good on SpaceX for finding a purpose for these decommissioned or yeah. failing oil rigs. And uh, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I, I also like the names that they made it, uh, Phobos and Deimos, I think it was, nice. which, which yeah. are the names of the moons around Mars. So it's like, nice. Great ref. I love how SpaceX is naming their boats and not, and not these. It's, it's so much fun. I think fun. he now has a reason to build an electric submarine or, you know. <laughs> a freighter. <laughs> you know, a hauler freighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a that's such a fun one to think about. I, I'm really looking forward to the progress with that. We'll, we'll, we'll cover it as we know more. Um, it'll, be, it'll be quite a sight to see. I, we can already imagine landing them back and then recovering them out there. But imagine operations that are ha happening, happening out in the middle of the ocean. Because um, that really frees you up probably to have more scheduled launches and kind of be a little more on your own in terms of like noise requirements and stuff. There's probably some ordinances that prevent launches in some areas. Yep. So very, very cool stuff. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch us live every Thursday night right now, at least for now, it's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We may move that. But if you uh, want to take part in our Q&A, you can join in live. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, subscribe to our podcast, which you can find at viceversa.show. And it'd be really helpful if you could give the podcast a rating and reviewed on all the podcast platforms of your choice, because it really, really does help. And thanks again to everyone. We'll see you in the next one.